welcome back to the latest Head of the Pack. I'm Matt Schneidman here with Bill Huber. We got a little bit of a different setup. Normally, for some games, it's me in the press box, Bill at home. I am at home. Bill is in the Lambeau Field press box. I'm in Wilton, Connecticut, actually, in my childhood bedroom. Uh, I tested positive for COVID on Tuesday, tested negative on Friday, so I have beat it. Schneidman won COVID zero, but uh, did not have enough time from when my symptoms began to when the game started to be allowed back in the press box. So I stayed home, flying back to Green Bay on Monday. Bill held down the fort in Green Bay, and it was an interesting one. That's kind of been the Packers' MO the last couple weeks is no show in the first quarter or at least get off to a slow start. I know they scored a touchdown today in the first quarter. Uh, Open up a double-digit lead and then let the other team back in. It's kind of been that case against the Rams, the Bears, the Ravens, and now the Browns. And um, they did so again today. They eked it out 24-22. It wasn't pretty, but there are obviously flaws that could cost the Packers down the line. But like we've talked about, winning ugly is fine, especially when teams like the Buccaneers and the Cardinals are losing. Well, first of all, Matt, I'm, I'm glad you're good. Um you're symptom free, basically, which is, you know, knock on. I think this is pretty much. I don't know if this is made of Formica. I've got good. wood over here. Um, man, I don't know, Matt. The Browns, the Browns are a good team. They were a lot of teams' Super Bowl pick coming into the season. I mean, they're they're a good team, but Christ, look at that COVID list they got. The Packers should have wiped the floor with these guys, and I think it has to be a little frustrating. I think that despite being plus four in turnovers, that they, they had to hang on for dear life at the very end. Um, look, I, 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 Cleveland was desperate. They had to win. Chubb's a great running back. The defense has been playing really well here for the last five or six games. It's, it's still a good team, but that you are plus three in turnovers going into that last drive and you need another one to escape, that's not good. They've got to find a way to start faster, which you mentioned. And they just got to put these teams where the, the, the Ravens are begging to be, get put away last week. And Cleveland was dead here today. And they let them hang around. This is what you get at the end. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Well, Devontae Adams used the phrase first, taking uh, their foot off the gas. And I asked Aaron Rodgers about it. And he said, yeah, it's cliche, but it's true. And Matt LaFleur admitted to getting a little too conservative there late, especially on that drive when Ben Braden replaced Yash Nyman at left tackle. And then the Packers ran the ball three times. And Matt LaFleur said that was because Braden was up against Miles Garrett, who might be the best defensive player on planet Earth. And he wanted to get Braden's feet wet with a couple runs. And he said, looking back on it, might have been a little too conservative. The reasoning is understandable, but Aaron Rodgers in the passing game did pretty much whatever they wanted. And and Rodgers said, you know, he had the discussion with LaFleur, maybe next time you let me and Devontae seal the game. I mean, they were up not... They were up nine late in the third quarter and midway through the fourth and went three and out twice. The first drive was kind of stalled by that 10-yard loss on the on the reverse to EQ. Second one, three straight runs, no first down, and a punt. And then the Browns go down and score score a touchdown. So, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course. But when in doubt, I know you have a good running game that has sealed their fair share of games over the last couple of years. Um, but... Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are probably the best players at their respective positions in the sport. Win a game with them. That's what Aaron Rodgers wants. And LaFleur said, 
you know, he has a hard time not throwing it every play, and maybe he should just put the ball in their hands. I, I, I it was really interesting the way Rodgers was very, um, pl- I mean, he wasn't angry at Lafleur. He, he was very polite. He mentioned he's he's been calling good games all year. It was, it was more of a hopeful suggestion, I think, to have the game in his hands. I again, you're right. He's he's the best quarterback in the league, or if he's not the best, he's right up there. Adams is the best receiver in the league. If you if you're gonna go down, you might as well go down swinging, right? Put the ball in your guy's best hands and, and get some first downs. Yeah. Um, but you know, by the same token, Green Bay has the ball in that two-minute situation at the end. Rodgers has Adams for the clinching first down. Adams drops the ball. So, so there, there I is was just that about one. to say. <laughs> let's, let's not overlook that. At the end of the day, you got to go make plays. Um, and your two best players didn't make one at the end of the game. So I, I guess, yeah, I, I'm probably inclined to believe or I'm, I'm inclined to uh, agree with Rodgers on that one, but it's no sure thing either. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say before you said it, this doesn't happen often when you let Rodgers and Adams try and seal it, but I think Devontae Adams had two mm-hmm. drops this season entering today. Then he has two within three plays on the slant where Ward played really nice coverage, but that's still a drop. And then the lofted ball down the left sideline where Adams said he lost it in the lights for the majority of, of the play. So that's understandable. Uh, in other news, the Cardinals just stink now. They just what's, lost up, to, what's up with that? They just lost to the Colts, who have nobody. Uh, down nine starters by halftime, three Pro Bowlers, and the, and the Cardinals lost at home. So they stink. Um, yeah, with with Adams. Matt's stink ratings are awesome, by the way. <laughs> my stink ratings are being updated by the minute. <laughs> Adams had a, a really good day otherwise. I know mm-hmm. the, the two drops at the end, it's kind of a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, and that kind of clouds it, but... Adams played extremely well. Um, he had 8 for 88 and two touchdowns in the first half, 10 for 114 and two touchdowns on 13 targets in the game. He is the only player in NFL history with eight games of 10 catches, 100 yards, and multiple touchdowns. It's pretty good. And now he and Aaron Rodgers have the most touchdown connections in Packers history after Rodgers set the record for most touchdown passes in Packers history with his first quarter touchdown pass to Alan Lazard. But yeah, I I think you still got to leave it in Rodgers and Adams' hands, even if that happens. Um, It's very rare what Adams did at the end of the game, and and they luckily for them got away with it. Um, But yeah, I I think you got to go down swinging with your best guys, like you said. Yeah, and that record, Matt, Antonio, he was tied with Antonio Brown with seven of those games. In Packers history, there, there have been 13 games of 10 catches, 100 yards, and two-plus touchdowns. 13. Adams has eight of them. That's crazy. Sterling Sharp had two. I was, I was curious to see where Sharp was. Christ, he, he's like lapping. That doesn't include Don Hudson, um, for the record. Pro football reference goes back to 1950, but still, over 70-some years of football, Packers have 13. He's got eight. Guy's an unbelievable player, and he, none of the stuff matters to him. Well, that mattered to him, but what do you say? He, the competition is within himself. He is just the hungriest guy in the world. There's just he's just never satisfied, never. And like we were talking before we started recording, Rodgers has said for a while that Charles Woodson is the best player he's ever played with. And I remember last year it was after the Packers beat the Titans forty to fourteen in the snow. In week 16, Rodgers said Devontae was starting to enter that conversation. Tonight, he straight up said, Devontae is the best player I've ever played with. And I asked Rodgers, I said, 
you mean on offense or, or overall? And he said, Adams is the most dominant player he's ever played with. It's pretty high Amazing regard. statement. Rodgers doesn't Amazing just... Amazing statement. Rodgers doesn't just throw around praise like that. I thought it was interesting, too. He said he talked to Adams about that, I assume it was probably yesterday. Mm-hmm. He told he wanted to make a point to tell Devontae that he's the best player he's ever played with. That's pretty... It's hard to... You know, I, I was writing my story about those two. I was in, basically, it's a combination of a, a great quarterback, a great receiver, and great chemistry, and yada, yada, yada. These are Devontae's going to the Hall of Fame, isn't he? Yeah. It's not too late to be talking about that. No. He's going he's to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Because in my mind, a Hall of Famer is a guy that you can't tell the history of football without mentioning him. And he is the best receiver of this era, and this is the most pass-happy era ever. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Hall of Famers, and this is an exact science, um, are the best players at their respective positions over an extended period of time. Right. If you look at the most touchdown catches from 2016 until now, that's six seasons. Devontae Adams has way more than anybody else. And he's still got a couple years of his prime left in him. He just turned 29 uh on friday i think he's a hall of famer if he continues on this trajectory i know we've had this discussion before but it's becoming more and more clear that that is likely to happen he's he's incredible everybody knows he's gonna get the football everyone everybody i mean everybody's always known he's gonna get the football and he's got seven touchdowns the last five games seven the run to go back to your stink ratings the packers red zone offense stunk for what the first two-thirds of the year (laughs) Now they're, at, now they're at, what, 71% the last five games because he's got six red zone touchdowns. Again, everybody knows he's going to get the ball. You can't stop him. And you asked him a couple weeks ago uh, what he, he needed he... to do to get going, and he was like, I'll have 20 touchdowns the rest of the season. And he was like, no, I'm kidding. Well, maybe he was not. <laughs> maybe he wasn't. Um, yeah, it, it's really incredible what he and Rodgers continue to do. Um, before we get into the run defense, I want to talk about the good side of the defense. The I wouldn't say the pass defense was great today. Baker Mayfield was doing his best Santa Claus impression and just giving gifts away. I mean, that he had some good moments, but man, that guy throws some ducks up for grabs, and the Packers took advantage, and that's credit to them because we've seen this season games like the one against the Vikings where they don't take advantage of those interceptions. Darnell Savage Jr. dropped a couple interceptions in that game, uh, and they lost. He picks off the deep ball, uh, the first quarter arm punt on, on first down today. Shannon Sullivan picks one off on, an, on a high throw of Jarvis Landry in the red zone. Rasul Douglas with a really nice read on the first one to kind of bait Baker Mayfield into a bad throw down the left sideline. And then, yeah, he probably did pull his jersey on the game ender. But the Packers also had some questionable calls not go their way. It's going to even out. That's what the refs are in today's league. And Rasul Douglas with his fifth interception in his 10th game with the team. I don't know how many different ways we can continue to describe how incredible his story is this year, but just another chapter in the Rasul Douglas story. Yeah, I basically apologize to Lazard about that because I'm talking about him. I'm sorry, I have nothing. I didn't have a question for him because we've asked it six ways from Sunday about this guy who's been he wasn't good enough to make the Raiders. Raiders stink. <laughs> or the Texans. He wasn't good enough to make the Texans. They stink. Prep Cardinal. I mean, everybody everybody knows the story here. He's got five interceptions. He was a Pro Bowl alternate based on, what, eight games and five starts heading into today. He's a Pro Bowl alternate. 
the guy's got a sixth sense of the football. That game, the game under, yeah, there might have been a jersey tug, but he was all over that route. He knew what was coming, and he beat, uh, was it Peoples-Jones? Is that who it was, too? I forget. I believe he, so, yes. Yeah, he, he beat him to the football. It, it was a great play. And it's, it's dumbfounding how this kind of stuff happens around the league where you just bounce around a league, you're a journeyman kind of guy, an afterthought kind of transaction, and the guy is what Devontae Adams called him a star. Riders called him a star. Is that right? I was just going to say. You were in Adams today. Aaron Rodgers said, I don't think Rasul is a role player. He's a star. Devontae Adams said, I think it's pretty safe to say he's a superstar at the cornerback position. Douglas said, I don't think I'm a superstar yet. I think we have two superstars on our team, 12 and 17. Rasul's got a great story. I, I wrote a little bit about it the other week. I mean, he, he started off at Nassau Community College in New York because he was a basketball player in high school and nobody, he wasn't really on anyone's radar. And, and he had no meal plan, no dorm, um, no scholarship, and he would save McDonald's Happy Meal orders or dollar menu orders for later because he didn't have anything to eat and no real money to, to get substantial meals. And now here he is on his fifth team in this calendar year, in a calendar year, not a calendar year, in the past three No, yeah, years. you're right. Well, yeah, I guess so. So not fifth, fifth team of 2021. Well, technically, yeah, because the Panthers. He was a member of the Panthers till free agency, and then Texans, Raiders, Cardinals, now the Packers. So fifth team. Now he has five interceptions. So lucky number five for Rasul Douglas. I'm interested to see what they do when J- Jair, if Jair Alexander comes back. I say, I thought Eric Stokes didn't have a great day today. I think you got to keep Rasul Douglas on the field. I don't know if you ease Alexander back in, put Alexander at the nickel like we've talked about. I don't think you want to put him in the slot where he has to face those bigger guys and might have to make some bigger hits. You might. I think you could put Stokes or or Douglas in the slot. Yeah, it's interesting. Good problems to have, as Matt LaFleur would like to tell you. Good problems to have. Uh, because uh, they, they've, they've got to get better. I mean, Baker, they're not going to play Baker Mayfield in the playoffs. They're not going to guy throw face a quarterback who's going to throw him four. I mean, Stokes almost had one, too, or they've been five. Now, this, this isn't, it's not going to cut it. They, they, they need to get more consistent play um, defense-wide. I know you're going to get into the run defense now, and that was – Bill, you said a good problem to have. This is a bad problem to have. Good God. I mean, I didn't look up the exact numbers since I had to get my story in on time, but I'm going to at some point in terms of where that ranks under Matt LaFleur in terms of opponent yards per carry. Um, In the NFC title game two years ago when the 49ers ran for 286 yards, they did so on 42 carries, I believe. That was a little less than seven yards per carry. Today, the Browns ran 25 times for 219 yards. That's 8.8 yards per carry. It's about two full yards per carry more than in that 49ers game in the NFC title game. They were abysmal against the run today. And I I tweeted it. Today's game reminded me of the 2019 regular season Packers. Really bad run defense, getting bailed out by a couple timely interceptions, and an offense that did just enough but wasn't great. Luckily for the Packers, this method of winning hasn't been a trend throughout the entire season, but they got to get the run defense figured out. It's been decent at times this year, and yes, the Browns have one of the best running games in the league, but 
you know, Nick Chubb, 17 for 126 and a touchdown. Dearness Johnson, 4 for 58, their third stringer, who rips off a 30-yard run on third and 10 down to the five-yard line to set up a touchdown pass to make it a two-point game. Can't happen. Last week it was, oh, Kenny Clark's not not here. Run defense will get better. Well, Kenny Clark was playing right. tonight. What happened tonight? Uh, I looked up my uh, stat head. Their worst run defense game was 198 yards against the Vikings in 2019. So this is their first 200-yard game of the LaFleur tenure. And, yeah, the, the rushing average is about a yard and a third worse than they've ever had. Brutal. They tackled terribly. Look, Nick Chubb is fourth in NFL history in yards per carry. So he, he's a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. But, but they were down, what, one or two starting linemen? I think two. Bad. It's not good. Uh, in the, you know, in, the, in come playoff time, they're, they're gonna, are they going to play Dallas at some point with – Reveals Ezekiel Elliott isn't who he used to be, but he's still Ezekiel Elliott and, and Pollard. I mean, hell, what are they going to play the Eagles? The Eagles are averaging like a buck seventy a game on the ground. Yeah, it's 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 a big problem, and they're they're getting. You know, these guys used to the Packers dominated time of possession for a lot of the season. Well, this that goes by the wayside here. Um, they're going to go against teams with a better quarterback because we have a play action of the death. This is a it's a huge huge problem. They got to get it figured out. Yeah, it's not good. And that was the one thing I did, the good, the bad, and the ugly in my story after the game. This was the one thing that ended up in the ugly, was the run defense. It's really bad, and it it could be an issue going up against guys like you said, the Eagles, who have the best running game in the league. Uh, The Rams, Henderson, and they're getting Cam Akers back. The Buccaneers, who will be getting Fournette back for the playoffs. And the Cardinals stink, but the Cowboys... With, like you said, Pollard and and Zeke Elliott in that offensive line. It could be a real issue, and um, we go back to what we talked about with Aaron Rodgers last week after the Ravens game. Can this offense win them a game when the other two... I thought special teams was fine today. Yeah, for sure. Best game they've played in a while, if only because there were no glaring mistakes. Um, But if the defense can't get it figured out, and today, yes, they only allowed 22 points, I don't know how how many times they're going to have four interceptions kind of gifted to them. So they're going to have to shore up in both facets against the run and against the pass. They're going to need to score some points. This was not a complete game for the Packers. Yes, they got the win, and that should obviously be celebrated, but proceed with caution. Yeah, special teams was really good. They they won the net putting battle. Um, The Browns didn't get any kickoff returns past the 30. That's a low bar. Um, but no explosive returns. Mario Rodgers had a nice punt return. If you can get that the rest of the season, I think uh, Mo Drayton will have a street named after him, right? right. <laughs> I don't know about that. It's a low that. bar. I don't know about but. that. Um, let's, let's talk about, I know we're kind of going in a, a circle here, but we haven't touched on the Rodgers history yet. I thought it was interesting. He said that play was on a double stick, which was kind of the first concepts he learned in this offense. Kind of an old school West Coast concept. Um, I'm sure he would have loved to throw it to Devontae Adams, but it went to Alan Lazard. And, and what Lazard was talking about after the game was how much, obviously, it means a lot to, to Rodgers and his journey, but for Lazard to catch this historic touchdown pass, he's kind of emerged the last couple of years. So his story is kind of on the back burner now. It, it was more of a redemption story a couple of years ago, but. You know, 2018 undrafted free agent. The Packers plucked him off the Jaguars practice squad, you know, real late in the season in 2018. And here he is becoming a reliable weapon for for Aaron Rodgers, catching his 443rd career touchdown pass. 
I thought it was a pretty cool moment. And unlike MVS last weekend, who just put the ball on the ground, uh, Alan Lazard made sure to hold on to it and gave it to Rodgers. Yeah, it was a good moment after the game. I'm not, I'm not sure what they showed on TV, Matt, but after the extra point, they had a little video tribute for Rodgers, and then they put the cameras on Rodgers, so, and he saluted the crowd. Then there's a brief message from Favre telling him, basically, congratulations, now go win a Super Bowl. Um, it was a good moment. Rodgers is really nostalgic. That, that's what struck me. You know, everything is special to him, and he's thankful to the fans and grateful. Um, he's a 38-year-old guy who knows the beautiful mystery is coming up again at some point. He's just he just he's he's embracing all these moments again. He applauded Brian Gutekunst for the off-season transactions and the in-season transactions for building the team. Um, he's complimentary toward Lafleur, aside from the late-game play calling. Um, again, I know we talked about it last week, Matt. This is a guy I think who really feels that this team has a real good shot. These are these these aren't like the 2016 Packers that were out of players for the playoffs. He, you can just tell that he feels these guys have a real good shot. Yeah, and I th- I think that's an interesting point you make, and I know I'm nitpicking here but when you say these guys I think these guys is important to emphasize because I know we've talked all season about Bakhtiari and Zadarius Smith and Jair coming back I think we have to evaluate the Packers based on these guys these guys they have right now right. And not oh these other guys are coming back because I don't know if they're going to Bill Bakhtiari was back to not practicing Zadarius Smith hasn't practiced yet Jair's been practicing, but who knows if they're just going to activate him and hope he gets better. Um, I think the Packers can win a Super Bowl with without those three guys. They've gotten to 12-3 and three without them. Now, um, Yash Nyman's been incredible, but can he hold mm-hmm. up in the playoffs against Von Miller and Leonard Floyd again? Can he hold up against Shaq Barrett, JPP, and Joe Tryon? Can he hold up against, uh, if they have to play the Cardinals, Chandler Jones, and those guys, I mean, it's going to be tough. That's what did the Packers in last year. Um, and then we talked about the defense. Baker Mayfield's not going to take advantage of some of these mistakes, but guess who is? Tom Brady, Dak Prescott. Those kinds of quarterbacks are. It's a great point on, on Yash. And I think that's why these get the, they really got to get the one seed, don't they, Matt? Yeah. To give, to give him a fighting chance against JPP and those guys, if that's what it is, or in Shaq Barrett, if it's Tampa in the championship game, that's why they've got to get the one seed just to make him settle the mix. At this point, right, is, you can't count on Bakhtiari. I mean, he's, had his, he's had two comebacks short-circuited. Now, maybe maybe he didn't practice last week because they, they weren't really going to practice, right, and he's better off maybe rehabbing behind closed doors. I don't know. I have no idea. But, again, you're, you're just clinging to hope. But, but – Yash has now played the top five in sacks. Each of the top five in sacks, he's played them. He's given up sacks to two of those guys, Cincinnati's Trey Hendrickson and, oh, God, I'm drawing a blank. Um, oh, one of the other guys, I don't know. But he's faced the top five in sacks and Hall of Fame-bound Von Miller. The guy's been unbelievably good. And, and Miles Garrett hurt, I realize, one assisted tackle today. And one quarterback hit. That's it from Miles Garrett. Was the quarterback hit when he bumped into Rogers' left foot? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that was Royce Newman <laughs> on that one. Well, but. Yeah, that was the second one. Garrett kind of bumped into his left foot at the end of the first quarter 
Um, oh, that's on right. The deep match, ball right. To, to Lazard. You see, these yeah, are the yep, things. Yep. These are the things you don't notice in person, but when the TV broadcast talks about them extra and shows Rogers grimacing up close, it it pays off to maybe, you know, be quarantined with COVID to to get a different view of things. Granted, I would I would have much rather been at the game. It was nice to spend uh, Christmas with my family here, but I did notice that. And yeah, Royce Newman then stepped on Rogers' toe. And just lastly here on the toe, a fitting way to close it out, Rodgers did say it was the best he had felt with his toe in uh, entering the game in a couple weeks. Said he didn't have to get it shot up before the game like he has in recent weeks. He used the word amazing to describe how it felt. But then he said it was, he was in some pretty intense pain after Newman stepped on his toe. Um, but overall, he's he's in a pretty good spot with it. You know, I, I anticipate it, it can only get better from here as long as nobody's stomping on it. It's like a magnet. He must have like a magnet attached to his foot. <laughs> I would be he's, crying. He gets a step. He gets on. He gets stepped on every week. I don't. I don't know if that's dumb luck or if that's life in football. I suppose it's probably life in football. But um, he's got what sixteen touchdowns and no picks the last five games on two, on two practices. Absurd. It's not bad. It's not, not bad. Bad. And without Randall Cobb, without Tunyon, without MVS today. Yeah, Bill. Here's a four fifths the offensive line. Ridiculous. Here's a question, and this is what we'll really close it out with. And we've talked about the MVP debate in in recent weeks. It's probably down to, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is sneaking in there. He didn't score tonight for the first time in 11 games, but the Colts are on a roll. Um, let me ask you this: I'm not an MVP voter. You're not, but how much do we think the voters actually? And, and we're just guessing here. It's we're we're just presuming, but. You mentioned all those things about Rodgers being down to his reserve O-lineman and not having Tunyon or Cobb. How much do we think the voters kind of look at that? Do they do they just say, oh, here are Rodgers' numbers. Here's what he's done. I test. Here's what Brady's done. Like, How much will they take into account the Packers' no-show on offense against the Chiefs because Rodgers wasn't playing and weigh that in? I think they should, and, I'm, and, right. I'm, and I think they will because obviously they're responsible voters, I would like to assume, but... I think Rodgers is the MVP. Him and Brady are neck and neck. And the fact that I don't think they're going to be like, oh, we did it on a broken toe. But you got to at least take into account that he's doing it with, you know, his backup offensive line and a couple key weapons out. Whereas Brady, without his top weapons, goes and scores no points against the Saints. The uh, the the trophy is called most valuable, right? It is. It. I I don't know how you don't I don't, I don't know how you can look at his resume and factor all that in there. Factor that he doesn't have the all-pro left tackle. Robert Tunney scored a bunch of touchdowns. Doesn't got him. Doesn't have him. Elton Jenkins is gone. I don't know how you can. can, can I don't. I don't know how you can possibly ignore that. And if, then, if, and if you want to ignore it, fine. Just go look at the numbers. He's number one in passer rating. He's number two in touchdown percentage. Number one in interception percentage. I realize there's probably going to be there might be some COVID backlash, but this at this point. Assuming he plays well the next two games, I, I just maybe it's just so insurmountable that you, that the voters going to say, even if they don't like it, it he's going to be so far ahead of everybody else. They might. Have I think to. he's going to win it. I think he's. I, I, this is the first time I think he's going to win it. And it would be his fourth, putting him fourth. behind only Peyton Manning, who has five. That's it. It's pretty good. Not bad, even if he says some reckless things about non-football stuff on the Pat McAfee show. Anyway, we won't <laughs> expand on that. We'll let you guys go to sleep or 
continue with your day if you're listening to this in the morning, which you will be, um, hopefully. We thank you for joining us on this Christmas, at least when we're talking. We hope you had a great Christmas, a Merry Christmas, and a Happy Holiday, and a Happy New Year. And we will talk to you next Sunday night, and it might be Monday morning at the time, when the Packers play the Vikings. It'll be Monday morning. It'll probably be Monday morning, but we appreciate you guys for listening, as always. For Bill, I'm Matt. We'll see you next time.